Are you guys fired up? You got the passion of God inside of you? Are you ready to see God do something in this place today? Because listen, it's, it's about 90% up to us. If we come expecting and we come hungry and we come ready to receive the word of God, he will meet us at the level of our hunger many times and blow us away. Are you guys ready for this today? Man, I'm so excited about today. Hey, if you're a guest here today, my name is Josh. And I'm lead pastor here at LifePoint, which doesn't mean much other than I'm busy doing a lot of stuff around here. And I am the lead servant here at the church. But I'm so glad that you're here today with us. Um, guys, I, I'm excited about this message today because today is the last message in this series that we've been on for six weeks now called Make War. How many of you guys have been enjoying this series? I've been hearing a lot of great feedback, a lot of great feedback on it because we had a, a great time on this series on spiritual warfare. The enemy doesn't like us. When I say the enemy, if you're not churchy and you don't know what that means, I'm talking about the devil. I'm talking about Satan. We call him the enemy because he doesn't like us and he wants to take us out. Um, God wants to see us thrive and live life to the full and overcome. The enemy wants to kill, steal, and destroy everything about us. So there's this conflict that goes on called spiritual warfare, literally between the, the spiritual forces of good and evil at work on this world. And he wants to take us out. We've been looking at that over the last six weeks and looking at the tactics of the enemy, what he does, how he does it, how he tries to get in and subtly get us into a place where we're ineffective and unproductive in our walk with God because ultimately he wants to take us out. He hates us. But I got good news. Listen, we can overcome that joker, right? We can overthrow that. We can put an end to all of his schemes, all of his plans, all that stuff. And over the last few weeks, we looked at a lot of different things. We've looked at um, how he works in our lives through this silent cycle of temptation and how he subtly works things in. We've looked at how he likes to accuse. We looked at a lot of, the stu- a lot of things that practically work in our lives as far as spiritual warfare goes. And a lot of people have asked me, hey, Josh, why haven't we talked about casting demons out or or, anything like super spiritual like that? And the reason why we haven't focused on much of that and kept it really practical in where we are and how we operate day to day is because the odds of us in our lives going around, just use demons as an example, the odds of us walking around and encountering a situation where we're going to have to cast a demon out of somebody just in our everyday life, it's probably pretty rare. Now, it could happen. Um, Maybe it's happened to you up until now. You know, you've seen that happen in your life. But for most people, it's going to be a rare thing. But when you talk about being tempted, that's 100% right there. We're all going to be tempted, right? When you talk about accusation, the enemy is going to accuse every one of us to try to get us frustrated in our walk with God and to think that we don't have what it takes to impact this world for the kingdom of God. 100%. So we focused on the things that people are going to be dealing with the most in their life so that we can overcome those things. And if you missed any of those teachings, you missed any of those weeks, it's on the podcast. You can go back and listen to any of those messages if you want to. It's available on iTunes. It's available on SoundCloud. It's available on the app. You can uh, download that if you haven't downloaded the app yet and and listen to all that stuff. It's all on there for you because we want you to be equipped and keep in pace with what God's doing in the church. So good stuff? Yeah. Yeah. So so we've looked at all of those things. And today I want to focus on what's probably the number one thing that Satan does or the enemy does to try to frustrate and, and thwart what God wants to do 
in and through a church to accomplish the mission of the church on this earth. And there's this conflict that goes on with all of us and the struggle. How many of you would say, I have in my life found myself in a place where I have experienced some kind of spiritual warfare? I've been in a fight. I've been in a conflict. Yeah, um, it's there. We've all done it. There's a lot of different conflicts and a lot of different fights that are famous in culture, and I wanted to set up the message by talking about some of those today. How many of y'all have ever seen the fight that has gone on on the movie screen between Luke Skywalker and Darth Vader? Y'all seen that? That's a big fight right there. The light of the force or the dark side of the force. Luke, I am your father. Ah, no. We, we probably look at how many of y'all are Star Wars junkies? I love Star Wars. I'm a big nerd. If you don't like Star Wars, hey, I'm praying for you, and hopefully one day you'll be able to experience all the fun that we've all experienced through that movie. Another big struggle, especially here in the South, another big competition is between Coke and Pepsi. Coke and Pepsi. Now, that's big, especially around here in Atlanta, because we've got the Coke manufacturing plant here. Uh, It's a big distribution hub for Coca-Cola. Let's just settle this now. How many of you guys are Coke people? Bunch of hands. How many of y'all are Pepsi people? Not as many. I lean more towards the Pepsi side. I don't know. If you had to pick between Coke and Pepsi, that's just me. I'm praying for you guys. I know we probably just split the church over that this morning. You know, big competition there. Now, here's another one that's big, especially if you love football. Um, If you're a Falcons fan, you know about the deal between the Falcons and the Saints. Falcons and the Saints. We, if you're a Falcons fan, you don't like the Aints. The Saints or the Aints, we don't like them. How many of y'all like Falcon football? Yeah, I can't wait for football season to start. It's like a kid, I'm like a kid waiting on Christmas. I can't wait for it to get here. But that's a big one. That's a big one. And maybe you're not a football fan, but you probably recognize the struggle that happens uh, with this day-to-day in your life. And that's the struggle between eating junk food and trying to eat healthy. Y'all feel my pain on that? I'm on a mission to, to eat healthy and, and lose weight, and I'm dropping weight, and I'm getting healthy and all of that stuff. But, man, this is a big struggle. This is a big struggle. How many of y'all are trying to drop some of those LBSs? And, yeah, we're becoming less and less so that God can become more in our lives. That's what we're wanting to do. That's a big struggle that goes on, though, and we all experience that. But there's a bigger struggle that happens in our lives, and especially in the church, because we've talked about, Um, In spiritual warfare, we've talked about temptation. We've talked about accusation. We've talked about how self-will can be a big factor in all of this and how the enemy likes to play on that. But the biggest battle that we're ever going to face in our walk with God, as as far as it goes with accomplishing the mission of the church, is going to be the struggle between religion and relationship and our walk with God. Religion and relationship. Now, we've all seen those people in our past probably who just, they had that religious spirit on them, right? They had that little edge on them. They were a little judgmental. They were legal, you know, legalistic. They, they, they had just lost the whole concept of what the, go- uh, the gospel is all about, and it became about rules and regulations and all of that stuff. Because if the enemy can't get you with temptation, if the enemy can't get you with accusation, if he can't take that self-will and twist it and try to get you off track spiritually, then he'll let you go with your walk with God, and he'll try to distort that thing and turn it into something ugly, and he'll morph it from a powerful relationship into something that's disgusting 
and tainted by religion. God never intended for us to go way off into the left field and become religious in our pursuit of him. Now, when I say the word religious and I talk about a religious spirit or a religious mindset, how many of y'all know what I'm talking about? You guys have seen it. You guys have seen it. Um, Why is that important? It's important because of numbers like this. I want to show you some numbers this morning. Guys, if you would put that up on the screen. The first one is this. The first number is 42. 42. That's not 42. Do we have 42? Okay, the first number is 42. I'll just shoot from the hip here. 42. 42% of the people in the state of Georgia say that they regularly attend church. 42%. And that's actually a lot higher than the national average of church attendance in in different states across the country. Um, 42%. But if you dig a little bit deeper in that 42%, 34% of that group will admit that they only attend church about once, maybe twice a month. Once or twice a month. Why is that important? I'll tell you in just a minute. Nationally, the average attendance cycle or the the average attendance of a person who says that they regularly attend church is going to be once every three weeks. One in three. One time every three weeks. That's what they're going to say. That's how it averages out. Now, why is that important? It's, It's very important. It's very important because it, it shows like a, a, a deeper issue that's going on in our country and in people that attend church. It, it, it makes me start to ask some questions as a follower of Jesus and as a pastor. It makes me ask you know, a few questions like this. One, um, if, if that's the case, then it makes me wonder how cluttered people's lives are. It makes me think, well, maybe people's lives are too cluttered. And they, they don't attend church because their lives are too cluttered. And I think that that's probably one good reason because we're real busy as a culture and we're real busy as a society, you know. And I get you got to travel for work and you're out of town and things like that. I get all that. But a lot of times we're busy doing things that we don't have to be busy doing. You know what I mean? Our lives are real cluttered with things. Another thing that came to my mind is that the reason why attendance is dropping in the nation and the reason why it's so sporadic is because people don't see the value of going to church. They don't see the value in it. They don't see a value of, of being a part of a local church. They don't see the value of attending church, you know, and, and that's, that's a big problem. There's a lot of different reasons for that. And the third thing that I was thinking about is, well, maybe, maybe they're not attending because they don't understand their role. They don't understand their role in the church. They don't understand their part in the greater mission of the church. There's a disconnect there. And if you look at our nation especially over the last 20 years while these numbers have been trending, you can see a sharp decline morally in our country. Am I telling the truth? Just over the last 20 years, you guys that are old enough to look back and and think about it. and Look, if you're in your younger 20s, you can think back just in your lifetime how much our culture has shifted, how much our culture has changed, and and how the, the disconnect is there between what we do and the importance of church, especially and people that claim to be Christians. But Jesus had a completely different view on the church, guys. And I know some of y'all are thinking, well, why are you talking about this? We're here at church today. 
Why are you talking about church attendance? We're here. We got it right today. We got that. I'm not talking just about church attendance today. I'm trying to lay a little bit of groundwork for where we're going to go in the message today. Because a lot of people will think that, um, you guys have heard this probably before, hear people say, well, I don't have to go to church to be a Christian. You ever heard that? I don't have to go to church to be a Christian. You hear people say, well, I don't have to be at church to worship God. You ever hear that? And I would agree with that. You don't have to go to church to be a Christian. You know why? Because I'm a Christian when I'm not at church. I mean, that's a true statement. Um, You don't have to be at church to worship God. I can worship God in my bedroom at home, put my hands up and be in the presence of God just like that. I get that. I get that. The problem is that our view a lot of times of church and our view of our role in church is is completely self-focused because we subtly move over into kind of a religious mindset about church where it's something that we do and it's not who we are in our day-to-day lives. And the disconnect is there because you don't have to be at church to, you know, to worship God. You don't have to be at church necessarily to, to have a relationship with God. But the mission of the church is different. The mission of the church is different because us collectively form a church. And God has chosen to use this thing called the church to be plan A, and there is no plan B, by the way, to be his tool to impact our culture and to impact our society and to promote the gospel, to fund it, missions, efforts, and what happens in the community. Can you lead people to the Lord outside of church? Absolutely. But when we get together... And we pull our resources together, and we put our talents together, and we get organized. The effort and the, the fruit from that effort, it increases exponentially. And I think the disconnect there is that we, we have, we, we've had a, kind of a self-focus of what church is, and we look at it about what we can receive and what we can get from it, and that's important. But it's also about what we can give and how we can contribute. And Jesus put a high value on the church. In Acts chapter 20... In verse 28, this is how valuable the church is to Jesus. Um, keep watch over yourselves and all the flock. This is Paul saying this. Uh, keep, keep watch over yourselves and all the flock for which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Be shepherds of the church of God which he bought with his own blood. His own blood. That's how important the church is to God. That's how important the church is to Jesus. Not just the value that he saw in you and thought you were worth shedding his own blood for, but for the greater mission and the greater vision of the church and being the the way, the avenue that he has chosen to reach this world. He thought it was so valuable and so important that he bought that mission and he bought that vision and he bought that calling, he bought that purpose with his own Blood, And if it's important enough to God to shed his own blood, to shed the, son of, the, the blood of his son for, I think it's important enough for us to stop and reevaluate this whole thing and understand that there's more to church than just being at church. There's more to church than just being at church. There's a greater vision and a greater mission involved that he's called us to be a part of. There's some other numbers that keep me up at night, too. And one of them is 5.8. 5.8. Did you know that in the state of Georgia, 
there are 5.8 million unchurched people. Approximate numbers. I don't think there's any way they can know for sure exactly how many people there are. They do their surveys and they do their talks and they try to find out the info, information. About 5.8 million people approximately that are unchurched. That's a lot of people we can reach. That's a lot of people that we can reach. 413,000. What does that number mean? Did you realize that just in the three counties pretty close to us, you got Douglas County, Paulden County, in Carroll County, there's approximately 413,000 people that live in those three counties. Why are those counties important? Because most of the people that attend our church come from Douglas County, Paulden County, and Carroll County. Now, you, you might not come from those, but most of the people that attend our church do. 413,000. By the numbers, 240,000 of those people are unchurched. That's a big number, guys. That's a big number. And what's crazy, when if you do a quick Google search of how many churches there are in the area, it's unbelievable how many churches there are around here. Like, you, if you got in your car, you don't even have to get in your car. You could take a rock and probably hit three churches from where we are right now. It's insane. There's churches all over the place, you know. People that move into the area and they start doing searches to find a church to attend, they get overwhelmed because of how many churches there are around here. So beginning the, ch the search of trying to pick a church, if you're new into the area, it's intimidating sometimes. 240,000 people, though, don't attend church. In Douglas County alone, there's approximately 83,000 people that are unchurched. And unreached. And it's not because there's not churches on every corner. Churches are out there. We're not reaching them. You, you, you want to know my theory on it? And when I talk to people, this is really the case. Um, the reason why there's 5.8 million people approximately in the state of Georgia that don't attend a church right now is because they've been to one. And they don't want anything to do with what they experienced. They showed up, and they experienced legalism. They showed up, and they experienced judgment. They showed up with issues and, and, and things going on in their lives, and they were shown the door because most people in most churches out there, we want pretty people that look good, that do things right. So when somebody shows up with issues, they get talked about, they get ostracized, they get put on the side of the back row, and they get treated lesser than, and they got a taste of that, and they didn't want anything to do with it. How many of you guys have experienced that in church? Yeah, it shouldn't be that way. They experienced what this guy we're going to talk about in just a minute experienced. In Mark chapter uh, 3, verse 1, there's a guy who had a condition. But this guy with a condition ran into a dude named Jesus, changed his life forever. Now, I want to tell you, if you're visiting this morning, if you're a guest this morning, Maybe you've experienced some of those things in churches where you, you, you felt awkward and maybe you felt judged and maybe you felt like you didn't fit in. I want to tell you this is a church where you can fit in. This is a church where you'll be accepted and where you'll be loved. This guy came into church and he had a condition. Another time Jesus went into the synagogue and a man with a shriveled hand was there. Now this is big. This is big because of what we know culturally and historically in that time. Um, if... You had a physical condition 
it was widely believed in that day that if you had a physical condition, if you, you know, a shriveled hand or if you had a, you know, a physical deformity or something was wrong with you, that that physical condition was there because of a spiritual issue. And that you were crippled or you, you couldn't walk or you had a deformed hand or something because God was judging you because of either sin in your life or sin in your family's life. So for this guy to be at church, because that's what synagogue was for them back then, it was church, is a huge thing. It's a huge thing because culturally for him to go out in public and to go into church was setting himself up to be judged and to be talked about. Because he was showing up to a place with a deformity where people were going to look at it and say, hey, you got that because spiritually you're messed up. And he was going to be judged from what we know in the culture. So for him being there is huge. So there had to be some kind of motivator. And we don't know from reading this what that motivation was. Uh, I don't want to take too much poetic license because I don't want to create a scenario that's not given in Scripture. But something had to get him there. Whether he had a question that he wanted answered or he was going through something in his life, something got him to the place where he was, he was willing to risk public criticism and public judgment to go out and be at a place where he could maybe get some answers, maybe get some hope, maybe something. I'm going to tell you guys. I'm going to tell you guys this. There are going to be people that come through the doors of this church that are going to have all kinds of conditions. They're going to have all kinds of ailments. They're going to have all kinds of issues, all kinds of problems. They're going to come in. They're going to come in wondering what their sexual identity is. They're going to come in half hung over from whatever they, whatever they were doing the night before. They're going to come in with all kinds of problems and all kinds of issues. And it is extremely important to me that our doors are always open to anybody that wants to come into this place to get answers to their questions, to experience Jesus, to get some kind of hope in their lives. Amen? We should always have a place and an environment where people can walk in without fear of judgment, without fear of being looked down on. Because I know for a lot of us in here, we've all, well, I say for a lot of us in here, we've experienced the place where you go in and you don't get that. I don't want that to be the case here. This is where it gets interesting. Now, he's there, he's got a condition, and the Bible says that some of them were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus. So they watched him closely to see if he would heal him on the Sabbath. Now, them, in this little story here them are the religious people them are the religious people so you got a guy who's there with a condition who's looking for some kind of answers he's there for a reason okay but they're not looking at what they can do to minister to the guy that's there with a condition they're caught up on what they can do to trap jesus because they're too caught up with their tradition and they're too caught up with their rule to see the opportunity for ministry that's right there in front of them. These guys had a rule that they created that was called, it went like this. You can't heal people on the Sabbath. You can't heal people on the Sabbath. Now, their rule was a distortion of God's commandment. Are you guys with me so far? Their rule was a, distort, was a distortion of God's commandment. God's commandment was honor the Sabbath. Honor the Sabbath. Keep the Sabbath. But when a religious spirit gets a hold of a simple command of God, it can turn it into something 
ugly and disgusting. And this is what happened. These guys got a hold of the original Ten Commandments, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and they created a whole just a smorgasbord of rules and regulations in an attempt to try to like explain what those original Ten Commandments meant. So just for this one that we're talking about now, this commandment that was given to honor the Sabbath, they created like 39 subcategories to explain what honor the Sabbath meant. And then they had rules because if you honor the Sabbath, that means that you got to rest. If you've got to rest, then that means that you can't work. Well, now we've got to define what work means. So they went as far as laying out how many steps a person could take in a day before it was considered work. Whether or not you could prepare food to eat. And where to draw the line on what was considered work. This is the world these people lived in. And one of those rules was you can't heal people on the Sabbath. Because that's work, and we don't work on the Sabbath. And there was a guy there with a need, but these people were choosing their tradition, and they were choosing their legalism instead of taking the opportunity to minister to the person that was there. Guys, we can never be at the place as a church where we get so caught up in tradition and rules and the way things have always been that we miss the opportunity to reach people when they come in the doors of our church. And we overlook the opportunity to minister to people that come in here with legitimate issues that they're trying to find a solution for. His name is Jesus, and it's our job to point people towards him, not shut the door in their face because they've got something going on in their lives that we don't like or we don't agree with. Amen? So here's what happens. So all this is going on. They see this guy who's there. So they start talking about him, and they start judging the guy. Jesus said to the man with the shriveled hand, stand up in front of everyone. And Jesus asked them, boy, this, is, this has got to be awkward, and this has got to be tense. Um, which is lawful on the Sabbath? To do good or to do evil? To save life or to kill? Pretty much he's asking them, hey, What's more important, keeping your rules and keeping your tradition or actually doing something to help this guy that's got an issue? Jesus gets right to the heart of it. He says, what's more important, your tradition or meeting the need of this guy? He lays it all out, and they remain silent, the Bible says. He looked around at them in anger. You know, Jesus got angry. Jesus got angry. Now, did Jesus sin? No, you can be angry and not sin. He got angry, but his anger wasn't to the guy that had issues. He was mad because of the religious spirit that had infiltrated the, the, the synagogue and the people. He was mad because of all this religious mindset and this religious spirit that had corrupted what he had intended to be an avenue to connect people to himself. He got mad at the religious people. So he got he got a little ticked off, and the Bible says, and deeply distressed at their stubborn hearts. And he said to the man, stretch out your hand. He stretched it out, and his hand was completely restored. Then the Pharisees went out and began to plot with the Herodians on how they might kill Jesus. Now, this guy got healed. You would have thought revival would have broke out. Now, if we bring somebody in in a wheelchair... And we pray for them, and God heals them. They get out of that wheelchair, and they start walking. This place is going to come apart. 
We're going to celebrate. We're going to worship God. We're going to get excited. We're going to say, man, this is awesome. We just saw a miracle happen. They just saw a miracle happen. There's no disco ball. There's no shouting. There's nothing. You would have thought this would have brought the place down, and the whole town would have seen revival. It didn't happen. They were so caught up in their tradition and their religious mindsets that they began to plot with the Herodians. Now, you might not know this, but the Herodians, listen, they were pretty much the polar opposite of the Pharisees back in the day. Okay? They did not get along with each other. They didn't like each other. They had two completely different views on how the world should work and the role of, of religion and politics and all of this. Two polar, they were polar opposites. They did not get along with each other. But the Pharisees were so caught up in their religious spirit that they began to plot with someone they didn't like on how they might kill Jesus. A religious spirit will always side with the enemy to stop a legitimate move of God when their traditions and their comforts are threatened. Every time. And guys, I want to be careful that us as a church... We never drift off into this territory. I don't think this is a problem here at LifePoint Church, but I never want it to be a problem here because this is how the enemy operates. If he can come in and get us way off with a religious mindset or a religious attitude where this ceases to become an instrument of change in people's lives, where this stops becoming a place where we come together and we figure out how we can impact Douglas County and the surrounding areas, when this starts to become something that we just do on Sundays because there's nothing else to do, we're taking the bait and we're setting ourselves up to become a system that's not welcoming for people that need the gospel of Jesus in their lives. I want to prevent that from happening because this is one of the number one things the enemy tries to do to destroy a move of God in the church collectively. To get us so in love with how we do things and what we do and all this stuff, all these traditions, all these things, all the things that we're comfortable with. And the moment we begin to step out of that into doing something amazing for God, he comes in to try to corrupt it and rob us. From the opportunity of seeing lives being changed. I don't want that to ever happen here at LifePoint Church. My heart as your pastor is this. And we've talked about this before. But I want this to be a church that unchurched people are comfortable attending. I want this to be a church that anybody from any background. With any struggle. With any issue. Can walk through those doors and get Jesus. To get Jesus. Without going through the filter of our preferences and how we think people should look when they come to church. Amen? I want this to be a church that unchurched people would want to attend. I want this to be a church that's outreach focused in everything that we do. Why? Because of 5.8 million people, guys. 5.8 million people in our state that are unchurched right now. I want them. I want them. I want to reach as many of them as we can possibly reach. Because of 83,000 people in Douglas County alone that are unchurched and probably on a road that's going to take them straight to hell. I think we can put a dent in that. Amen? 
And we're doing a lot of great stuff in our church. We're doing a lot of things to reach the community. But I want to see that increase. I want to see that continue. I want to see us build on the foundation that we already have. Because I believe that our church can make a difference. Now, there's a lot of great churches out there doing a lot of great things. But I want us to be at a place where we're doing our part. Because I know this. There's a lot of churches out there. There's a lot of religious spirits out there. Those 5.8 million people are never going to connect with. I want this church to be a place where they can come in, where they can connect, where they can receive the word of God, have their lives transformed. And I always want us to be busy and focused on doing the mission of the church. And not just showing up to worship. And not just showing up so that we can hear some good teaching or get equipped. I want us to never take our eyes off of the prize. And that's reaching this world for Jesus Christ. I want this church to be outreach focused. And we've seen some really cool things happen. We've seen a lot of doors open up for the church. The, the city just contacted me this past week. Because um, we've been working real hard talking, talking with them about events we can do with them. Because we want to get out there and get our name out and connect with people and reach people. So that we can impact them for the gospel. Um, but we're just telling the city, hey, we want to help you with some events. So we're going undercover. And they contacted me this past week. And listen to this. The city is giving us an opportunity to co-host an event for the community. To co-host. LifePoint Church partnering with the city of Douglasville to put on an event for the community. That's awesome. That's awesome. Y'all ought to be shouting right now because there's a lot of churches that don't get that kind of favor and they don't get that kind of opportunity. I'm excited about that because I want us to be out there impacting our community. I want this church to be a church where we can become a movement to take the love of God out to our world. I want to see us impact this world because it doesn't just stop with Douglasville. It doesn't just stop with the state of Georgia. We can impact the world. And we're already seeing some of that happen through the podcast and some of the things that we're doing. One of the things I'm really excited about is the opportunities we're going to have once we start live streaming the services from here. Our reach and our impact on people is going to just explode because there's a lot of people that will check us out on Facebook and check us out online that will never come to this church. We'll be able to reach people all across the country and all across the nation through that ministry. I'm excited about it. And media team, I'm proud of you guys for putting in the wrench work and putting in the sweat and doing what you need to do to get the stuff together because we're really close to seeing that ministry launch. And it's going to be one of the biggest outreach tools from our church because everybody's online nowadays, and we're going to meet them where, we are, where they are. Amen? A lot of great stuff that's going on. But we got to be careful we got to be careful with all this stuff that we're trying to do and all of this stuff. This is exciting stuff, though, right? This is exciting stuff. I love this. I love being able to be a part of a church where the people are excited and passionate and they want to reach their world for Jesus Christ. But we got to be careful because the enemy will use this religious spirit and this religious mindset to try to mess up what God wants to do in the church. He'll do it every time. Here's why. Here's how he'll do it. Because Satan wants us to make idols out of our preferences. Satan wants us to make idols out of our preferences. This is what he's going to do. You ask me, Josh, how are we going to reach this world? How are we going to reach our community? Well, we're doing things. But I'll tell you just a blanket statement just to let you know what we're going to do as a church to reach our community. We're going to do whatever it takes to reach this world for Jesus. 
whatever it takes. However, we can leverage culture to connect with people and bring them into a relationship with Jesus. We're going to do it. We're going to do everything we can possibly do without compromising the gospel, without compromising the presence of God. We're never going to change the what, we're never going to change the message. But we are going to adjust the methods. Amen. Culture's changing, man. You got you, you can't reach people the way that you used to reach people. And what we're going to, the, the, little, the little vice, the little trap that the enemy is going to use on us is the same one that he uses in churches all over the country. Is that when we start to do things differently, that we get upset because we've made idols out of our preference. We've got to be careful, guys. We've got to be careful with that. Because um, we want to reach people. We want to see people that are far from God come into a relationship with him. And one step at a time, we want to see people impacted. And we want to see them grow into the person that God has called them to be. Now, listen, they're going to take that journey one step at a time, just like we did. All right? And this is what trips churches up. Their step isn't always going to look like our step. Okay? Their step's not always going to look like our step because people deal with different issues on different levels. And God deals with different people on different things at different times. And we've got to be okay as a church We've got to be okay as a church with being in unity as a church, but not having uniformity as a church. Okay, Because we're not all going to look the same. We're not all going to talk the same. We're going to have different issues, different struggles, you know, and we can't look down on people for working through stuff that we've already overcome in our lives and forget that, hey, um, it, it, it took us 15, 20 years to get the victory over some of this stuff, and we're expecting somebody to do it overnight. That's a double standard. That's religious. That's legalistic. we got to give people space to grow in their walk with God. Now, is there a standard? Absolutely, but his name is Jesus, not my preference, not what I think you should be doing. It's Jesus Christ, and we're all trying to strive to become more like him. Amen? So in a church that's effectively reaching people, listen, there's a myth that's out there that I want to destroy, and I want you all to listen to the, the, like my entire statement and not get caught up on what I'm fixing to say. To, to lead into this. There is no such thing as a spiritually mature church. There is no such thing as a spiritually mature church. It does not exist. If that church is biblically correct and is accomplishing the mission that God has given the church to accomplish in the world. Now, there can be a spiritually maturing church. But if we're reaching people, now follow my train of thought. If we're reaching people, there are always going to be people coming through that door that have struggles, that have issues, that don't know any more about God than, than they would know about how to fix a kitchen sink. No concept. They're going to come in and begin the process of spiritual growth. And you've got this big gamut of someone who's been saved for 40 years who has a strong relationship with God, who's figured out how to operate in a level of spiritual maturity, overcome issues, control their emotions, get into the Word of God, allow that to transform their lives. And then you're going to have somebody sitting out there who just got saved last Saturday who doesn't even know how to read the Bible. Okay? This huge gamut. So you can't say... You can't say that the church is supposed to be a spiritually mature church. We're a maturing church. 
a maturing church. And I think a maturing church of people can gather around the vision in unity and say, it's our job to take this gospel to the world, but not be uniform in how we look because we're all in different areas and stages of growth in our walk with God. Does that make sense? That's what we got to be careful for. Uh, we got to watch out for that because people get caught up in that and we'll find ourselves becoming incredibly impatient and judging people for what's going on in their lives and killing any opportunity for the Spirit of God to work in their lives because we want to impose our preference of what we think a Christian is supposed to look like onto them. Got to be careful, guys. Um, things... That, that people get caught up a lot of times in church that, that's preference-based. I mean, you look at worship styles. Oh, my gosh. More churches have split over worship styles than, than, than any. I just, God forbid a, a church begin to change and become more relevant and have a style of music that actually connects what people, with what people are listening to on the radio. Connect culturally, bring them into the presence of God because we don't change the message of worship. We just change the avenue by which we do it. Make sense? You know, people ask me, well, why don't we do a lot of hymns? We do some hymns here. We work it into the song. But our, our worship is the way our worship is because we feel like it's the best style and the best avenue for us right now to be able to connect with the people out, out, outside the doors of this church so that they can experience the prayer. Why y'all got lights? Because that makes things look cool. We don't need lights to worship God. I know we don't need lights to worship God. But we want to create an environment that's attractive to people that come in from the outside that have no concept of what church is. Because you see, it's not about us. It's not about us. It's not about us. If we can worship with or without lights, then it doesn't matter whether we got lights or not, right? Because we're worshiping him, not getting caught up on tools and styles and things like that that are used to reach the culture. And so churches have a lot of problems with stuff like that. People, a lot, <clears throat> in a lot of circles, they have uh, problems because of how people dress in church nowadays. And that's just crazy. That's just crazy. Um, some, people, some people like to dress up and wear suits and ties. Listen, <clears throat> if you come to Life Point Church and you want to wear a suit and tie, man, dress to the nines. Dress like you want to. Come in here like it's Easter Sunday morning with all the bells and whistles. And that's awesome. That's awesome. And we can worship God. But if your style is jeans and a t-shirt, show up in jeans and a t-shirt and worship God. What's important is that we're worshiping God. What's not important is how we're dressed while we worship God. See, we lose our focus and we major on the minors. We major on the minors. If we were all dressed in suits, because that's how you're supposed to dress when you come to church in a lot of circles, and then you got somebody coming in who was at a bar last night who can't afford a suit, and all he's got is T-shirt and jeans, and he walks in and doesn't fit in because this is not how, like, suit and ties is not how people dress in everyday life, and he walks in, how's he going to feel? You got to think about that. So we, we have a real relaxed dress code here at the church because, because this is how people dress out in the world for the most part so when, when people come in we want them to feel welcome that's why i don't one reason why i don't wear suits when i preach is one i, I just don't like suits this is not my style if i wore a suit i would sweat through that thing before worship was over you know it's just not my style um a lot of people get hung up on that man i would rather dress like people dress normally and reach people for jesus than get caught up on a dress code amen 
It's just stuff like that that, that people get caught up on. It just doesn't matter. Now, I get you dress, dress modestly, dress respectfully. You know, and for some people, it's important to dress well to give honor to God. And if that's you, man, do that and honor God with all your heart and all of your soul, all of your ability. But don't judge other people because they don't. Man, we're worshiping the same God. Let people worship God and dress like they need to so we can reach more people for Jesus. Amen? Um, idols out of personal preference destroy more churches' ability to reach people. There's a lot of things we're going to do in the future and, and changes we're going to make as we're trying to catch up on the curve to match what's happening in culture here as a church. And when those changes come, guys, we've got to embrace them because we're trying to reach people for the God, for Jesus. Amen? Yeah. Amen. Everybody okay with that? That's what we got to do. Religious spirits and religious mindsets destroy the work of God more than anything else on this planet. Um, what's your goal then? How do you want to accomplish that? I want us all to have deep roots. I want us all to have deep roots spiritually. This tree's got deep roots. Because when you have deep roots spiritually, when I say deep roots, I mean I want us to have deep roots in our relationship with God, be well established in our relationship with God and well established in what he's called us to do. Because when you have roots this deep, this is the person that's not going to get shaken when their whole life falls apart. This is the person when they get the bad news that they've got cancer, they're not going to freak out and lose control because they're going to have roots deep enough to know that they can trust God regardless of what they walk through in life. I want us to have deep roots established in the things that matter, and the things that matter. And if we do that, then we'll be healthy as a church, and we'll reach some people. Here's some things that I want us to do, all right? To protect us, to protect us from this religious mindset and this religious, this religious spirit that destroys so many churches, I want us to always have the mindset where we want to be a contributor and not a consumer. Be a contributor and not a consumer. Because a lot of people show up and they think church is just, you know, and it is for them. We hope you're blessed. We hope you receive the word. We hope you're changed. We hope you're challenged. We hope you're equipped because that's part of it. But we can't lose sight of the fact that we've got a world to reach. And that call doesn't go away, people. It doesn't go away. So if you're a Christian and you're serving God, then there ought to be a place for you to become involved in the body of believers, to be a contributor and not to be just a consumer of what goes on in any church, not just here, but in any church. And that starts with your relationship with God. It starts with your relationship with God. How does that affect your contribution to the church? Because when we all show up as believers, when we all show up to church on a Sunday or a Wednesday, and our relationship with God is passionate and it's vibrant, and we've been in the presence of God all week, and it's time to get into worship, this place should explode with the presence of God. And we should create an environment in here that's almost impossible for anyone to walk in and not feel the presence of God and be challenged and be transformed by the Savior that we love so much. It all starts with our relationship. <clears throat> the next thing we can do is serve. To serve. Listen, if you're a Christian and you're a part of a body of believers, there is a place of ministry for you in that body of believers. Amen? 
cricket, cricket. Some of y'all are thinking, oh, great, here comes the pitch. I wonder where the sign-up sheet. No sign-up sheets, no pitches. We're not going for volunteers or anything like that today. I, want, I just wanted to bring this out because when you serve, though, when you serve and you become involved in God's church, you become involved in God's avenue for reaching people on this planet with the gospel, it unlocks the opportunity for spiritual growth in your life better than anything else. Because now you're, you're in at a place where you can grow and you can contribute and you can see your gifts refined. You can see your talents refined. You can see, you, you can begin to realize the calling of God on your life. Uh, how many of you have ever been involved in a church that, or I, I, I won't say that. How many of you have seen churches or seen scenarios where people volunteered to serve in churches and they were abused and burnt out and used up? We don't want to do that here at LifePoint Church ever. My whole philosophy, our philosophy here is this, that if you want to jump in and become involved in serving in this church, it is our obligation, according to Scripture, Ephesians 4, to equip you for works of service, to pour into you, to help get you to the place where you can be everything that God has called you to be. We want to invest in you and pour into you and help unlock that calling, that unlock that potential that's there so you can just be everything God intended for you to be. When he formed you. Now that's beautiful. That's the way it's supposed to work. So serving is not just being involved. It's a great opportunity for growth. I want us to be a church that gives. I want to brag on y'all for a little bit. Because you guys are a beautiful and a generous church. You guys are generous. I love it. I love it. I love being able to lead this church. Because some of you guys. You're, you're so beautiful in how you give. You're so beautiful in, in helping support the vision because you realize this isn't like you guys supporting the vision of the church. It's us collectively funding the vision that God has called us to accomplish through this church. It's not a you and me. It's us, we together, working together to do what God has called us to do. And a church that is sitting from a position of financial power can do a whole lot more in a community than a church that's broken can barely pay the light bill. We want to impact this community, but we want to do it from a position of financial power so we can see the gospel go out unimpeded so that we can reach as many people as we can possibly reach. And the beauty about this is, this is how cool God is that when you give to support the vision and you become a part of all of this, it's not like you write the check and you feel good for supporting something that's awesome. The Bible says that God gives back to you because of your generosity. And I could probably take the next 30 or 40 minutes and just have people come up and give testimonies of how their generosity to the kingdom of God has unlocked a level of blessing in their lives that they didn't have until they became a generous person that gave. And I'm so grateful that we have beautiful people in this church that have bought into what God is doing. That not just see it's something they're writing a check to, but it's something that we're all a part of as we're trying to accomplish the mission of the gospel. The last thing is this. We want to protect ourselves from drifting off and having a spiritual mindset. We've got to invite. We've got to let people know about this Jesus. Now, I put invite because this is usually the way that's most comfortable for people to tell people about Jesus. Hey, won't you come to church with me? That's great. How many of y'all came to church for the first time because you were invited by somebody? How many of you came to church for the first time because you were invited by somebody more than once? Yeah, yeah. Most people show up because they're invited.
by somebody. You know that studies show that, I mean, a high percentage of people, depending on what study you look at, 70 up to 80% of people would come to church with people if they just simply invited them to come. My life was impacted because somebody invited me to church over and over and over and over and over and over again. Because I was one of those people, I was one of those 5.8 million people that probably had attended a church. Because most people in the country, most people in our state have attended a church at some point or another. Because if you ask people if they believe in God or if they know they're going to heaven, about 80, 85% of people in our state are going to say, yeah. But when it comes to actually being a part of that mission, uh uh-uh. I was one of those people that got burned by church. And this guy, I don't know if I'm ever going to see him again. (laughs) Um, This guy kept inviting me over and over. Josh, won't you come to church? Won't you come to church? I don't want anything to do with church. Josh, won't you come? I don't want anything to do. And he'd come over and he'd play basketball with me and hang out because he lived across the street from where I was. He'd hang out and he'd invest then he just invited. And what impacted me was that this guy, he didn't want to talk about the junk I was doing in my life. He didn't want to talk about the issues that I was wrestling with, you know. He didn't even really want to talk about the hurt that I had in my heart because, man, I, I just went through some real... Like some people say they get hurt and burned by church and really what it is is they just got their hind end up on their shoulders and they were they just responded immaturely i got legitimately burnt by church this guy just played basketball and hung out and invited invited and invited planted the seed in my heart and then he moved away never got to see the guy again but all those invites and all that investment and all of that just encouraging it took root and it led to me reconnecting with church and eventually led to me rededicating my life to the Lord changed my life completely because somebody invited me because somebody didn't judge because somebody loved somebody cared somebody didn't focus on the issues they focused on me as a person and they got me into a place where God could impact my life and there are 5.8 million people in this state guys that are in the same place that I was in that are in the same place that many of you were in and maybe you're here today and you're in that position right now where you're you might be here in church but you're kind of you're kind of on the edge because you feel burned and you feel you feel like you've experienced just a little too much religion and not enough authentic relationship with Jesus in places like this. 5.0 million people, guys. I think that as a church, we can put a dent in that. Amen? What does that look like? That may look like multiple campuses. That may look like ministry in a way that we're not used to doing it here at this church down the road. But I think that we should do whatever it takes to reach this world for Jesus Christ. Stand to your feet. We get ready to close this morning. There's a verse of scripture that we keep coming back to here at this church. Ephesians chapter 3 verse 20 says this. 
Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. According to his power that is at work within us. I want you to close your eyes for a second and I just want you to imagine with me. I want you to imagine the potential of this church. And imagine the people that we can reach. Imagine the lives that are broken right now that we could invite into this place and see restored in the presence of God. Imagine what we could do. This country is full of churches that are going through a system. They're going through a pattern. They're, they're, they're full of people that have settled on some kind of ritual. They've settled on going to a place but not realizing that they are the church that Jesus purchased with his own blood. And they are part of the greater mission that he's called all of us as part of his church to accomplish. Not just to worship, not just to be equipped, not just to, to, to be invested and poured into, but to turn around and impact this world for the kingdom of God. And this is what religion steals from churches. It steals that vision from them because we become inwardly focused and we forget about the mission that God has called us to. I don't ever want that to be the case here at this church. But can you imagine what we could accomplish if we pulled all of our resources all of our gifts and all of our talents together. Can you imagine what this church could do if we put ourselves in a place to be used by God in a way that few people allow in their lives?